Hello, and welcome to Alpha Podfight, the podcast where I am joined by a different guest every time to cover a different issue of, or a different or single issue of the comic Alpha Flight. This time I'm joined by Rob. Rob, could you introduce yourself to the listeners? Hi, I'm Robert Plass. I am speaking to you from New York City, New York. I am an Alpha Flight collector and one of the administrators over at alphaflight.net. Perfect. Thank you very much for coming on. What, so you're Alpha Flight collector. How long have you been collecting Alpha Flight for? Oh, I, I've, been, I've been collecting Alpha Flight comics since I was a, a young child. So this has been a lifelong obsession, I guess you could say. I'm a very, very big fan. Okay. So were you there uh, for the first issue? I think the first issue I bought was uh, issue uh, 19, right off the the newsstand. And okay. uh, the the day that I bought the, that issue, uh, I hopped on my bicycle and I, I took my bicycle over to the comic book shop that was local to my house. And I bought all the back issues, 1 through 18. Uh, and it's been a, 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 a fun ride ever since. Oh, cool. So uh, of, I'm guessing that your favorite uh your favorite run would be Burns' run, or do you have any others which you're particularly keen on? Well, asking me a question like that is like asking a parent, like which which <laughs> of the children are your favorite children? You, you know, is it the boy? Is it the girl? So I mean, I just I just love everything Alpha Flight. Um, you know, obviously the Burn the Burn one you have a special connection to because that's how you know that's how everything started and that's how all the characters were were first established. Um, but there's something that I like about each each of the sections and each each of the different artists and writers. Okay. Because um, um, it's no secret that I am still fairly new to Alpha Flight. Um, I started a podcast about them because there wasn't one and I wanted to listen to one. Um, but, uh, yeah, so there's still lots and lots and lots I've still got to cover. Um, so I'll get there eventually. Uh, right. But, yeah, we're here to talk about issue eight, which uh, came out in... Uh, it's dated March 1984, uh, with John Byrne uh, listed as the creator, Andy Yankus as the colorist, Michael Higgins was the letterer, and Denny O'Neill and Jim Shooter were editor and edit in, editor in chief, respectively. Um, could you give a synopsis of what happens in this comic? Yes, uh, issue eight is part of the early early Byrne one, when he was doing individual episodes. Uh, individual issues for each of the characters. So he was in, introducing Puck and, and Snowbird, Aurora and Northstar here in uh, issue seven and eight, and then Sasquatch in nine and ten. Uh, it wasn't really a group book for, for many, many months. Uh, it wasn't until uh, issues 11 and 12 that they rejoined together as, as a group in the, in the story. Uh, this issue eight is a is the second issue of a two-part series. So in, in issue seven, um, uh, Northstar... Uh, goes to Montreal, Canada, and he uh, visits an old friend, uh, Raymond Belmond, uh, who is a uh, uh, interesting character from his his past. And and uh, Raymond Belmond uh, is the owner of a bistro in in Montreal. And a, a local gangster uh, named Deadly Ernest comes, trying to muscle his way in into the into the bistro and uh, and kills him, uh, apparently by just by just being able to touch him. Yeah, uh, and uh, Aurora then gets uh, kidnapped by uh, by uh, Deadly Ernest, and apparently, that, yeah. Sorry, go on. I, I was going to say what. You yeah, there's a. Say, so you say it. <laughs> there's a case. No thanks. Go ahead and do that if you need to. Uh, there's a 
it's a case of mistaken identity where uh, Aurora pretends to be Raymond Belmont's daughter, Danielle, uh, and, and gets into a car and, and they and they drive off, leaving leaving Northstar extremely angry uh, that his friend has has just been killed. So that's that's the the premise behind uh, Alpha Fight number eight. And so when uh, Alpha Fight number eight starts, that's that's where we pick up. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah. So what happens in this comic then? Well, before we, we even open the comic, I just want to look at the cover. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the cover is, is really it's a, a, a unusual cover. It looks like one of those old romance comics from the 50s or 60s. It does a little uh, bit. There's yeah. A little bit, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, this, there's this beautiful, you know, very glamorous looking woman in the foreground, you know, with, with uh, being touched in an intimate way. And then, a uh, you know, a man in the background, of course, wearing a superhero costume, but a man in the background looking looking surprised and it has the word betrayal on the cover yeah. it's as if you know he's uh he's walking in on something that that he shouldn't be walking in on um of course they're brother and sister but you don't know that just from you know you know just from the cover but i really do believe that that the cover is uh is uh john burns homage to the uh the uh, romance comics uh, which, spot, yeah. which is a very popular genre you know you know, it, it, you know people have to remember a little bit of comic book history for your listeners you know uh there was a time when when the big companies were not publishing superhero comics. You know, there were there were there were other genres out there. There was the uh, the, the uh, uh, western comics and the war comics and uh, and uh, uh, horror comics. Yeah, romance, and romance comics. comics were a big deal. Yeah, yeah, uh, and it's only it's only and it's only now in modern times that when you think comics, you only think superheroes. You know, there's there's, there's really not a lot of romance comics out there. They were just based on relationships. Uh, maybe Archie comics, you know, they do, yeah. they still have relationship, but you know, there's no superheroes in Archie comics. Um, but that was, that was, uh, but they're really, not romance they're comics, are they, Archie? They're, they're, there's the relationship right. stuff, the boyfriend, girlfriend dramas, but, uh, then I wouldn't sub put them in the subset of romance comics. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, but that's the cover, and it's just, it just kind of stands out, you know, in the, in the burn run as, as, as looking different from the other covers. Yeah, you're because right. And just yeah. on the cover quickly, because I've been looking at it now, it looks like the, it looks a bit cut and pasted together somehow, and I think it's because of the way it's been coloured. So where the blues have been put on, they have been overlaid over the blacks, which has dulled the blacks. It's, it's a weird combination. Uh, it's just something that I've noticed. Um, yeah, sorry. Uh, carry on. Yeah, so well, that's the cover. It does. It does show us a, a scene that does happen. Uh, inside the comic, though, uh, on I think on page six, so it, it does it, it does show something that actually happens inside the comic. So, it's okay, the so context, Star- isn't it? So without the context of the previous five pages, you wouldn't you wouldn't understand what the situation actually is. And it does look as if um, a male character has walked in on like his girlfriend or someone he loves. Um, doing so. Sorry, my daughter's just walked into the room with a baleful look on her face. What's the matter? Oh, Playmobil. Can I? <laughs> Sorry, you carry on talking. I need to attach some uh, life jackets to some Playmobil children. Okay. Uh, a very professional <laughs> podcasting setup here. Uh, you carry on. Okay, so so the comic starts out with with North Star flying over the uh, city of Montreal, uh, searching for searching for his his sister. Aurora, um, and uh, he flies to uh, an uh, address that that he finds. Um, I guess uh, well, 
can't find the address online because there was no online back then. But I guess uh, found found the the public address of Ernest St. Ives, which is the uh, the uh, alter ego of Deadly Ernest. Yes. Um, he he goes he goes uh, 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 crashing in through the window and uh, walks around this large mansion. I guess somewhere in the the uh, wealthy parts of of Montreal, uh, and uh, um, and walks in on on Deadly Ernest uh, sitting with with Aurora. Um, he gets immediately knocked out, uh, and while he's unconscious, um, there's there's a bit of a of explanation between Deadly Ernest and Aurora. Um, she says that uh, he's her cousin Jacques. Yeah. He wakes up uh, with a sword on his neck, uh, belonging to a very mysterious character named Nemesis. Uh, they go through the house. Uh, um, meanwhile, we get we we get a background story of the I guess origin story of of Deadly Ernest, how how he got his deadly powers of of death touch, um, and then uh, uh, Aurora snaps out of her her uh, her persona. He she had been pretending to be Raymond Belmont's daughter Danielle. She yeah. snaps out of it, becomes Aurora again. Uh, Deadly Ernest and Nemesis fight. Uh, she chops him up into many, many pieces. Uh, and then uh, uh, they rip off Nemesis' masks. She's not who they think. Uh, 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 North Star believes that Nemesis is Danielle. Yeah. Uh, not, it's not Danielle. It's somebody else. Uh, uh, so North Star and Aurora fly back to the bistro. They confront Danielle. They, they discover that she's been in league with Deadly Ernest the entire time. They send her to jail. And then uh, Aurora and North Star flying back. Uh, they get into a fight, a very nasty, nasty fight, the kind that you can only, ha- only have between siblings, I guess. Yeah. Um, something, something you might have observed yourself <laughs> in your own home. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and then they leave. Uh, uh, Aurora flies off, leaves North Star by, by himself. Uh, there's a backstory in, uh, the, in, in the, in the second, second story in, in the comic book, uh, which is sort of an origin story. Um, it's, it's, it's a story of how Snowbird and Shaman, uh, join Alpha Flight. Yes. So, so it's not really a story of how they got their powers or, you know, how they, how they came to be, uh, uh, superheroes, but how, how they connected with James Hudson and, Heather Hudson and, and right. became uh, it sort so, of loosely follows on from the previous origin story, which was Aurora's. So the last time we see Aurora, she is a baby and she's just been uh, Shaman has midwifed her into the world, uh, magically midwifed her. Uh, so this is right, a sort that, of a follow on from that. Right. Well, that would be Snowbird. Snowbird was born up up in Canada. Did I say Aurora? Yeah. So oh, um, I always do that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> In my head, they're obviously so, totally different characters, but I'm constantly getting their names mixed up, and I can only apologise. Yes, it's a follow-on from Snowbird's origin, where she's midwifed into the world magically by Shaman. Well, she, so she's a she's a goddess, and, and she was bound to the land of of, of Canada, and then uh, suddenly she's uh, full grown, uh, looking very mysterious, very strange. Um, and uh, Heather and and, uh, and 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 James having some pillow talk. Uh, Heather realizes that. That she looks kind of strange. Goes to spy on her. Uh, sees uh, Snowbird turn into an owl, uh, kill a rabbit or a field mouse or something. Yeah. Um, they, they confront Shaman about it, and and he says, "Well, actually, there's something I, I need to tell you about 
about, about the two of us. And James and James Huston says, "Well, you guys sound perfect for Alpha Flight. You guys should join." And that's and uh, and that's it. So so in that the the second half of of the of the uh, many of the early issues in the burn run were these origin stories. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess I, I, he really spent a lot of energy trying to develop these characters. Uh, they were they were kind of dumped on us in in the pages of the X Men without any any kind of backstory. Um, and so in in addition to having these these single character issues like like issues five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, um, there, there were also origin stories in the back half of of issues I think two through eleven. Yeah. Um, so he really spent a lot of time developing these characters and 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 giving the backstory how did how did they how did they get, con- get connected with Applefly? How did they get their powers? Who are they? What are their personalities? Um, and uh, you know, the, one one of the other of the problems Byrne always had was that when he created the characters, they they were just supposed to be, you know, uh, you know, bad guys from Canada for the X Men to fight. That's right. Yeah. But, and how you know, and and he I think he always struggled with with how to make them more interesting. How to you know how can I make these more interesting? How can I make people people you know, want want to root for these characters and really know know who they are? Um, and so the the energy that he spent you know in in doing that I think it worked. Uh, you know Alpha Flight would go on you know to have you know 130 issues in the in the initial run and there was Alpha yeah. Flight Volume Two, Volume Volume Three. Volume four, and they're and they're still part of the of the, you know, of the Marvel universe today. And now there are even 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 people making podcasts about them. You know, so <laughs> obviously he, he he did something right. <laughs> yeah, way. I, I do think it's an interesting way. You don't get many other writers who would spend uh, half an issue or the best part of an issue um, going back over the backstory. I think most people would uh, allow the characters to exist and for their, for their histories to sort of develop over time and their characters to emerge uh, uh but he i think as a creator burn has uh, this urge to make sure that every hole is filled so there's no plot holes there's no holes in the character's history everything has to be has to have something there and he's happy to to not answer a question if he knows an answer will come eventually like uh, with sasquatch's um, biography i think he knew from the start that uh the sasquatch um, the that transformation process wasn't down to gamma radiation; it was down to something else. But he was happy to leave it uh, to do a reveal at a later time. Um, whereas with this sort of character biography, where he's just got to make sure that this stuff's happened in the past, and uh, I'm not gonna not gonna mention it again. So this is your chance to know it. Yeah, and then and then these these characters were handed off to other writers. Uh, and other writers, and then after that, more writers and other writers. Uh, and I think I think some of the problem that fans have with 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 those writers, you know, the the ones that that followed Burn, was that they changed things about the initial Burn set. Yeah. So that, so if if a character got killed, or or it turns out uh, that they're not who who John Burn said they were, or they you know you you know you know this you know you know this writer sucks because he he changed something that John Burn did. Yes. <laughs> you know, uh, that, that it's sort of they he set the standards so firmly and established the characters so strongly that the I think it set a, a a disadvantage for further writers that they really couldn't make any changes without you know in, in, inspiring uh, a lot of anger with 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 fans in the in the you know in the for for future issues. Yeah, because um, so, I've uh, just been reading through the Mantler run, and he obviously changes uh, some of the character yeah. biographies, uh, yeah. and 
Although I enjoy Mantlo's imagination and, and I enjoy the way he handles some of the characters, um, when he does sort of retcon the characters, I don't enjoy it very much. And I'm not right. usually prone to that sort of that mentality. But the reason why you feel that way is because John Burns so firmly established characters that That's you feel exactly, as if he, yeah. he's doing something wrong. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, I, I, um, when when Alpha Flight Volume Four came out, uh, uh, th- that was uh, the, uh, the most recent one. Um, I uh, I went to a book signing here here in New York City with with uh, with with the writers. Yeah. And uh, who was the writers I, on that? Sorry. That was that was Fred Van Lente and Greg Pak. Okay. And uh, I I just I just walked up to Fred Van Lente and I and I asked him about you know about his you know his uh, I I said. Uh, do you know if if John Byrne has has seen this this issue? You know what what you've done with you know Alpha Five Volume Four, and he just looked at me and says and says I you know I don't know if you've seen it or not. Um, I hope that he likes it, but I really don't care. You know he's right. he's he, you know he's basically his attitude was look you know I am the writer now of Alpha Flight. I own these characters. I know that they were invented by John Byrne, but they're mine now, and I'm going to write them how I want to. And yeah. and and Greg Pak. And Fred Valenti, they made a lot of changes. You know, they they turned they turned um, uh, a Marina, for instance. Uh, they turned her into like this this rebellious teenager. You know, and they which which really isn't you know in the in the, in the original Burn Run. No, she's not. They, they, yeah, they changed it. They, and but you know they felt like they were they were empowered. They they're being paid uh, you know paid by Marvel Comics to write to uh, you know write the characters how they, how they feel like writing it, and they did it. And I I. I kind of like that that they just felt as if as if they just they just own the characters and, and they could do what they wanted with them. Um and uh it was it was it was a it, interesting answer that I got from 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 Fred about that. I was I mean I was that was I was kind of shocked that 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 he wasn't more deferential towards <laughs> towards John Byrne's creations, you know. Like no, no I know I, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, was, I'm think, thinking of British comics. So uh, I'm a fan of a lifelong fan of 2000 AD, uh, and you get some of the things there where, um, so for instance, there's a character called Durham Red, who was created by um, Alan Grant and John Wagner and written by uh, Alan Grant for a long time. And then other writers picked up the character and did entirely different things with them. Um, and then Alan Grant, when asked about what he thought, he's just like, I haven't read them. Um, I did, I, I wrote what I wanted, and then they've written what they wanted. There's, I, I've got no interest in in comparing my work to the other writers. Whereas conversely, with something like Judge Dredd, which is so closely tied to John Wagner as a writer, you do get a sense that people who jump on to write who aren't John Wagner definitely feel like they need to be not careful with what he's done, but they're very wary of, of changing his core set of characters. They'll add new characters in, um, but they'll be wary of changing anything that he's set up. Yeah, well, well, this this particular issue, issue eight, is definitely right in the heart of the Alpha Flight canon, uh, and and this is you know the this is the baseline that 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 the fans use you know for for thinking about about you know, even even the uh, opening splash page of, of of issue number eight. Okay, where we we have North Star flying over Montreal. Okay, yeah. um, that. That image of of North Star flying over the city, um, you know that that's the iconic image of North Star. That's what you see, you know, uh, when you when you go to look up North Star 
online. You know, that's the image that's always, you know, on the on the web page, you know, next to a North Star's biography, you know, or, you know, nine times out of 10, if there's like a handbook printed, that's the image, you know, that that is the image of of, of North Star that you see. By the way, that's a really uh, in, interesting page. Um, if we can just talk about that, that no, one please. page for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, people say, you know, John Byrne doesn't like to draw backgrounds. You know, he, you know, yes, in, in some panels when there's some dialogue, he doesn't, doesn't draw the full background. Yeah. But what's in the background here is really, is, is really interesting. There is, um, the buildings that he, that, that he's flying over, those are actual buildings in, in downtown Montreal. Um, uh, below his right arm, uh, is a, is a church. That, that's a real church. That's, uh, that's, uh, Mary Queen of the World Cathedral. And, uh, towards uh, and then on the other side of the street, I guess by his left fist, yeah. uh, there's a uh, there's a building. Looks like it's it's uh, staggered out from the street. That's the um, that's the famous Sun Life building um, that's in Dorchester Square in in Montreal. Um, and so, so in real life, are those buildings actually near to each other, or has, or has he sort of made it as Montrealish as possible by pulling buildings from different parts of the city together? They are right across the street. It's, okay, it says only. Yeah, I mean, he must have had some amazing photo reference to work from. But if, <laughs> if you if, if you go onto Google Maps, you know, which he you know he didn't have that back then. Know. But if you go on, on onto Google Maps and you zoom in, you know, on 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 Dorchester Square in Montreal, you know, that's exactly what it looks like from the air. I mean, looking down, and, and you and you can even tell that he he is flying in a in a northeast direction, you know, across the city. I mean, it's 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 uncannily. Exactly. I mean, you, you, you can even see just under his, his right hand. I don't know if you have the page open to the, yeah. the, uh, the issue in front of you. Um, there are some statues that are on the, the, uh, the street facing, uh, edifice of the, uh, of the, of the cathedral. And he even drew like, like little statues that are, that are on, on, on top of the cathedral, you know. Yeah, so if you, see, if you yeah. go and you, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's how detailed he was, you know. So, so if you're on the street looking up at the church, then you see this row of of, of thirteen statues on top of the of the of the cathedral. He he even drew those in. I mean, that's that's the detail that he's that he's uh, that he that he's drawing in. So, you know, when when someone tells you Byrne doesn't like to draw backgrounds, don't be so fooled, you know. Those yeah. are the things. So, so I, I um, don't think it's that he doesn't like to draw backgrounds. I just think if he's got a story to tell, he doesn't bother doing the background. Unless the background yeah. is part of the storytelling process, which in this case it is. It, the story yeah, is it, North Star is flowing over Montreal. Montreal needs to be and, part of that story. He'll put it in. Yeah, and it wasn't like he, he was cheating Alpha Flight. If, if you look at his, uh, his other work during, uh, around the same time. So I guess, I guess this issue would be, would be contemporaneous with his Fantastic Four run, I guess in the yes. 260s or so. Um, if, if you open up, you know, Fantastic Four, 266, 267. Uh, those those books also have panels with the solid backgrounds without anything. So he wasn't just cheating Alpha Flight and just and, and just and just rushing through the Alpha Flight pages. That was his style throughout throughout the entire burn run of the of the Fantastic Four as well. Yeah. Um, and so, so in terms of that. Uh, looking at characters uh, and Ariel, that on page three, there's a really lovely panel of Northstar flying down towards Deadly Ernest's house, uh, and the angle and that the pose of uh, Northstar as well, the way it's been inked, is just really nice. There's something you can get a sense of flight from the pose, rather than just someone flying, flying, uh, no, falling through the air. I mean, there's something 
peaceful about the pose and and where he is in relation to the house and how the house has been rendered. Um, I just really love. I agree. Panel. Yeah, I agree with you. That's a great panel. Um, it's, it's I think it's because his his legs are splayed apart and not with his ankles, you know, tightly, you know, you know, tight together like you would see in a in a in a flying pose. It's almost as if his weight is being supported uh, at his waist, um, and then his body's kind of dangling from his waist. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a great shot. It, it really is. So, um, uh, you know, on the on the previous page, on on page two, um, there's uh, they're they're recalling the the uh, uh, events of issue number seven. There is one artistic error. Um, it's extremely rare for John Byrne to make this this kind of error. But if you look if you look in the panel on on the lower left, uh, there's there's a picture of the hand coming out of the car, yeah. uh, touching. Touching Raymond Belmond on the face. Um, wow, that is a really long arm. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so, so North Star is about uh, five foot eleven inches, and so Raymond Belmond, uh, you can tell from the panel above, he's slightly taller than than North Star. So, say he's about six feet tall. Yeah. That's uh, a hundred and eighty three centimeters for you metric people. Um, so, at, at six feet tall, and he's standing what maybe two or three feet away from the car. Um, so, yeah, so, so Deli Ernest is in the back seat. He's sitting down and he's reaching up from the back seat of a car, you know, three feet away from the guy, reaching up to a man who's six feet tall and just touching his face. That's a very long arm. That's just a, that's just a very, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, Ernest St. Ives is a big guy, but, you know, that's a, it's a, that the arm is just, is just impossibly long. So anyway, just a funny little, a little artistic error that I think uh, I think I think John Byrne made. You can you can try go sit in the back seat of a car and reach your arm out and, yeah. see, and see how it goes. <laughs> and maybe maybe you can have one of your mates uh, stand next to the car and see if you can actually touch his face, you know, or, or not. You know, well, I've got no solid plans <laughs> this afternoon. Uh, I'll, get, I'll I'll give that a go. Um, <laughs> um, okay. Uh, uh, so, uh, was there anything else that you wanted to? Uh, so, sorry, you mentioned yeah, so, so, uh, just now that this is like a benchmark issue for Alpha Flight fans, which I wasn't aware of. Can you talk a little bit more to that? Yeah, well, there's there's a number of things that happens in this in this episode that really matter. Uh, it's, it, and, uh, I'm, I'm I'm calling it episode, but it's really it's an issue. Uh, what, in, in this in this issue, uh, there there are things that really matter. First of all, there's the introduction of this of this nemesis character. Uh, this yes. nemesis character is isn't like the yeah she's not a villain uh really she's kind of a uh, temporary ally I guess of of, of 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 Alpha Flight um but this character will go on and and we'll see her many many times uh she she pops up again during the Mantler run uh, she pops up again uh a, a later in Alpha Flight on uh, issue seventy six and sticks around for a few issues and then she joins the team uh, as a as as an Alpha Flight a member in uh, volume three. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. In, I've in... just read uh, 79 uh, without, with a sort of maybe a 12 issue gap between the issue of previous read and 79. Uh, and by that point, she's the leader of Gamma Flight who are right. Canada's sanctioned super team. Right. So she comes back. So, so, so this isn't just like a one-off thing. This, this, this issue matters because this is the introduction of that character. Uh, yeah. Even even Deadly Ernest comes back. Uh, he pops up again in the uh, in the Mantler run, um, and then at, at the and then at the very end of, of of the first story, when when North Star and Warwick break up, you know, well they're they're, they're brother and sister, so they can't really break up, but you know they they end their <laughs> partnership, I guess. 
Um, yeah. That's that's an important moment in in amplified history, uh, and that and that will go on for many many issues, and it's a, yeah. it's a long time until until they reconcile. Uh, um, Aurora gets so upset with Northstar that she actually goes and gets her powers adjusted by 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 Walter Langowski. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, which is also, which said, and she gets a new costume, you know, so that she doesn't look like, like a, like Northstar anymore. And so this, and so this, this issue matters. It's not just a single issue where that, that has no other, other repercussions, you know, repercussions. It, it, it actually means something. That's what I, I really like about this issue. Yeah. Um, so in terms of the Nemesis character, um, she is, She's on a few pages. Um, we get a whole page introduction to her as she is moving through the air um, and as she's on her way. And we see her. Uh, her sword is an atom's width. Which... Yeah, not really sure what that means. I'm, I'm not sure if that's even metallurgically possible. It seems like it seems like that would be very soft. Uh... <laughs> Um, It's a very science fiction thing, though. So in the game Deus Ex, you get a sword which is an atom's width thick. Okay. Well, you know, having having this mystical sword is is really that's that that's a very classic, uh, you know, comic book, you know, your science fiction genre thing to do. I mean, this, you know, having the uh, the magical sword, you know, that Tolkien did that in in Lord of the Rings by giving the sword names. Um, and this goes all the way back to, you know, Excalibur, you know, this, you know, when I say the word Excalibur, you know, you already know what I'm talking about. And this yeah. is the, you know, the, the legendary sword. This is how you, people tell stories. And, and so this, this sword, um, which, which actually has a name, uh, uh, the sword's name is Skell, S-C-E-L-L. Um, and okay. Skell, um, is, you know, one of the, one of the weapons, you know, not, it's not up as in, in popularity as, as like Thor's hammer or Captain America's shield, but, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's one of, you know, it's one of the objects of, of the, of the superhero, you know, of, of, uh, it's one of the weapons that's used um, in the, in the Alpha Flight world. Yeah. Uh, and this is a, 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 a legendary sword. Um, you know, in that, in that page that shows, that shows Nemesis flying, flying through the air, uh, she's on top of a building. And the building that she's on top of is the uh, Queen Elizabeth Hotel, uh, which is another real building, and that's really what it looks like. <laughs> so, uh, and and that's right across the street from the uh, from from the cathedral uh, in, okay. in Dorchester. So, so she's she's right right in the middle of you know. So uh, that's another um, you know accurate accurate background building that that John Byrne drew. Yeah. Uh, so, so this is 1984. So uh, again, coming up to 2000 AD, um, lots of my contemporaries, sort of, sort of British comic fans, when they hear Nemesis, they'll think of the 2000 AD character. I don't know if you're familiar with him. I'm not. No, he's... Um, you know, like, uh, like most Americans, anarchist, the, the yeah. only uh, character that we know is, is, is Judge Dredd. Yeah. That's fair enough. So <laughs> Nemesis is um, an anarchist alien demon who... Uh, you'd have to see a picture of him to appreciate just how weird he is. But he fights against... Um, sort of an extreme Christian uh, uh, empire um, through sort of terrorist acts, basically. He's an alien terrorist. Um, but, yeah, he's very, very different to this nemesis. Well, the, well this this nemesis is female. And I just – I love how she uh, – she's just so mysterious. I mean, she's a great character. Yeah. Um, she's, she's described, you know, she's the, the woman in blood and ebony. Uh, right, yeah. uh, not, not red and black, you know, she's blood and ebony to make her even, even, you know, even more mysterious. I just, I love, I love how she talks. I love, I love her costume. 
Uh, and you know, we don't, we don't really know who she is. You know, she, you know, she, she gets yeah. un, she gets unmasked. Uh, she says that she's going to, you know, exact retribution for her father. So uh, North Star naturally assumes, and 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 the reader assumes also that she is Danielle Belmond, uh, getting retribution for her father Raymond Belmond. But she pulls off the mask. It's clear that even though she has uh, a red hair, uh, she's not Danielle. They don't show her face. She's only shown from behind. Um, and we don't find out who she is. Um, no. We, we don't find out who, who she is, actually, uh, until uh, 2011. Oh, uh, what, what happened was uh, Alpha Flight fans were kind of wondering um, about this, this, you know, this, uh, Nemesis character. Uh, she, because the, they seem to be two different nemesis. Was it the same nemesis here as, as showed up as, as the leader of Gamma Flight in issue 76? Yeah. And was that the same nemesis that showed up in volume three of, of, of Alpha Flight in, in 2004? Or were there three different nemesis? Was it, was, um, so we didn't know. And we didn't know that, you know, who, who was, who was, um, under the mask. We find out during the Mantlo run that, that this nemesis was, was Isabel St. Ives, who's the, daughter of Ernest St. Ives. So when, when she's saying that she's avenging her father, she's avenging, uh, she's basically trying to end deadly St. Ernest, you know, deadly Ernest. She's, yeah. she's trying to put, put him out of, out of his misery and, and, and stop from, from being such a bad guy. Um, but it turns out that the other two nemesis are two completely different women that took on the, the, the character of, of, of nemesis. So this would, this would be nemesis one. Um, who is Isabel St. Dyes. Uh, um, nemesis number two, uh, the leader of, of Gamma Flight, her name is Jane Thorne. And nemesis number three uh, in, in Apple Flight Volume 3 is Amelia Weatherly. And we don't know their, their names until the official handbook of the Marvel Universe came out. <laughs> okay. uh, and that, in, in 2011, they, they reprinted one of the hardcovers uh, in, a, in a trade paperback, and they made a small small uh, editing change in in the text when they went from hardcover to paperback and they inserted the names of the of the of the three women in the in the handbook and it was not until then that alpha flight fans knew who all these all, all these nemesis characters were and the mystery was finally solved so it would be 27 years after this issue came out that that we finally figured out who who nemesis was that's amazing i, I waited a long that- time <laughs> And also that somebody noticed the uh, the textual differences between the hardback and the the trade paperback. Um, that's impressive. Oh, yeah. That's the sort oh, of yeah. thing I, I mean, enjoy. Well, I, you know, I, I I bought it as soon as it came out. I think I think the day it came out, I remember even exactly where I was, the bookstore that I bought it from, and I immediately turned to the. It's a, it's an alphabetical index of of because yeah. uh, it's a it's a handbook. So the so the uh, the. Uh, Issue for uh, uh, A and B came out, I think. So, so I, I turned imme- immediately to Alpha Flight, and and I was, I was and I was looking at it, and I I, I started reading the entry, and, and I said, "Oh, this this is different. This is this information has never been, never been published before." Like, whoa! And I immediately jumped onto AlphaFlight.net. I was like, "Hey guys, you're not gonna believe this, but they finally, <laughs> you know." And I was like, "Whoa!" It was it was it was a, it was a very exciting moment for Alpha Flight fans. So. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and just on Nemesis and her sword, she does two particularly impressive moves with it in this comic. The f- uh, she uses it a fair amount. Oh no, sorry, three. 
So one is she chops a bit of a table off. That's not very impressive. Um, another is that she chops a doorknob off by just like twizzling her sword against the door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's really good. Um, yeah. And then she does a Star Wars move and chops off Deadly Ernest's dead hand. Yeah. Um, which is good. And then when she actually comes to finish Deadly Ernest off and you just get that massive square panel uh, where the edges have been sort of uh, shattered inwards and then you can just... She's she's moving fast enough in order to illustrate it. She's been drawn with three arms and yeah. three swords. But the arcs that you can see as she uh, as the sword goes through Deadly Ernest. So he's obviously been chopped up into one, two, three, four, five, six, seven separate bits. Yeah, um, plus plus part of his right hand. That, the, uh, I, I counted that. Yeah, that was that was my tenuous number seven. Um, but it's just really impressive. And then I assume that he's just lying in a heap of meat at the, on oh, the floor, it, it, and it must, we don't it must see be that again. Awful. It must be yeah. awful. Can you imagine having to clean that up? Ugh. Um, but yeah, and then she runs off. Uh, in classic superhero style, um, they notify the authorities uh, after after this, um, North Star and Aurora, and the police just sort of gloss over the fact that there is a heap of meat in Deadly Ernest's house. Um, yeah, which is, it, yeah, it, it means that you don't have to get into... Uh, the gory details of how you clean up after something like that, I suppose. Well, there is a story behind that too. Uh, they, oh, good. Those, those remains are collected uh, and they're, and they're studied. They're brought to the morgue and they're, and they're kept there uh, for, for a while. Um, I, I mentioned earlier that that deadly earnest pops up again in, yeah. in, in a, during, during, during the Mantler run. Um, and those, those body parts are, 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 are reassembled. And he comes back to life. <laughs> so I've, got, so I've, even, just, I've just filled that gap. So that's I'm assuming that's um, Alpha Flight 31, which I bought yes. last week and haven't had a chance to read yet. So yeah. Um, yeah. So so even though those those three sweeping strokes seem to end him forever, he he comes back from that. You know, he's very determined. <laughs> but they can't bring Guardian back. Oh <laughs> <Hell> yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Cool. So um. In terms of questions I ask, are pretty well. So uh, one is, what did you like about it, and is there anything that you didn't like about it? Is there anything else that you like about it in particular? Yeah, there's uh, there's a um, there's a number of things. Um, one thing I like is is during during the fight that they have, uh, uh, North Star and Aurora, uh, she she says something. Uh, she says, uh, you know, she, she uh, North Star accuses uh, uh, Aurora of of sleeping with. Yeah. With 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 uh, Ernest St. Ives. The phrase he yeah. uses: "romanced yourself to safety." <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, and you know that that stops her in 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 midair, uh, and then she and she says, "I don't believe it. You of all people dare pass judgment on my love life." That's right. Yeah. That that is obviously a huge a huge thing. That's 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 a hint of of North Star's homosexuality. Yeah. And. And uh, when I was a kid, you know, in 1984, I did not pick up on that. You know, I I I was thought she was referring to some girlfriend off panel. No idea what she was talking about. Yeah. Um, but but that 
that's you know that the uh, you know North Star is gay and <laughs> and and John Byrne never said it during during his run. He dropped a few hints. Uh, this you know this strange relationship with Raymond Belmond, which we don't really that's know. Right, yeah. It was it was not very well defined, and he, it, I've got a bit of a. Uh, of a problem with that character because he's so much older than than North Star. It didn't it doesn't make sense in the in the timeline for him to be so close with someone who's so much older than than yeah uh, than yeah. he is. Um, and also this line from Aurora. Um, and then and then and then there were some other hints that get dropped, but the hints were so subtle, so so subtle that that I never I never picked it up. You know, I I didn't realize that North Star was gay until. Issue 106 when he came out, <laughs> and oh, then right. just, I am gay. I mean, I, I had no idea. I, I, um, I, I, on a previous I, show, Sean was on from uh, yeah. the Marvel, and and he was he said that there was a particular scene that which he read when he was a teenager, and it clicked for him then. That okay. Was it, gay. So it wasn't a surprise. It for me. When it was really, and yeah. I, I had my nose buried deep in every Alpha Fly comic that there was for years, you know. And I was a huge fan of, the, of this of this character, and I just, I just had no clue. Uh, but this, oh, this right. was, this was, this was one of the big clues that 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 John Byrne put put in there. And and I imagine that that a number of people, you know, read that line back in 1984 and said and said, oh. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, that is particularly subtle because it could refer because he's introduced as like a a ski champ who has women sort of flocking around him. So you could you could have assumed it was something like that. They had groupies of some sort. Yeah. And and there are some also and there are also some other scenes where he's 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 shown, you know, at his at his home with a swimming pool and there are some scantily clad men around, you know, (laughs) and and no other women, but you know, I I just, maybe maybe he just invited over a friend and they're going swimming, you know, I I, I don't, that's right. And there's one, I can't remember which issue it is. It's one that I've read recently, but, um, someone calls up North Star's house and a man answers the phone. Yeah. Right. That's the issue. right, Right. Yeah. Um, and it's just like little things like that. And Bill Mantlo obviously knew and was less subtle. So if you reread some of the Mantlo ones, some of the characters are are very clearly alluding to North Star's love life. Yeah, um, and, yeah. And it gave him that strange disease where he, he was he was coughing a lot. You know, cough, cough, That's cough, right, cough. Yeah. You know, that was, he, he was supposed to be dying of some some opportunistic infection from AIDS. Um, but then, but 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 then he got healed. So he got healed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> but, but but I like I like you know looking back now you know and reading that panel I really I really like that. Other thing I really like uh, there's a uh, there's a also a a a line by by uh, Aurora on the on the previous page um, when they finally confront uh, Danielle Belmond. Uh, she says something to her. She she says. Um, if this country had a nice civilized death penalty, you would join him. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so I'm, so I was, I was, I was, uh, um, an American reading this comic about, about Canadians. And, uh, you know, my, my country still has the death penalty. It's still on the books in, in many, many states. Uh, in, in, in New York State, death penalty is still on the books. And I know it's, it's, it's a, uh, a, a controversial, uh, political topic, which I don't want to get into, but it is, it's still on the books. Um, and when I and when I read this panel as a kid, it first dawned on me like, wow, Canada doesn't have a death penalty. You know, not yeah. not every country has the same laws as I do. And so this this kind of falls into the category of of uh, of of everything that I know about Canada. 
I learned from Alpha Flight. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so I learned you, you know you know you know all the provinces, you, you know what what the cities look like, uh, the fact that there are French people and uh, living in, in in Quebec, that there are yeah. separatists, uh, you, you know you know who want to want to break away from the government. Um, you know, uh, the vast landscapes, you know, the, the maritime provinces. And, you know, I, I really I, I learned I learned everything about Canada from reading these these Alpha Flight comic books. And that and that one line that 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 Aurora uh, 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 drops here about the death penalty, you know, it, it, it made me interested. You know what we you know what what other laws in Canada are different you know, than than in the U.S., you know, and then, and then, and then from European countries, and it kind of that that one line really got me thinking a lot about about global politics and, and and about you know how you know you know what's 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 different and unique about 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 my own country. Yeah, so I, I just a, just an interesting line. I just you know that's maybe maybe a little bit of John Burns politics kind of thrown in there also. You know, that's about, what I was going to say. So because I read this and it's an interesting uh, example of authorial voice because I wasn't sure if this was. John Byrne writing Aurora as a character who was pro death penalty, or if it was John Byrne who was pro death penalty sneaking <laughs> in via a character. Um, and there's nothing else in the text here which was just that. So I don't know if you've got an answer to that. Is he pro or? I don't know his his personal no. politics. So. Okay. So, but just, just... yeah, well, I I that struck me actually. It was an interesting thing to throw in there. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a kids comic book, right? Comic books are for kids, right? So, that, but this is this is a really grown up thing to 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 say, and I think I I just think it's funny how it just did, how it did, you know it uh it inspired me to go and find out more information about about politics and about and about certain issues. That was yeah. it's it really funny. And also, into the, the same uh the the next speech bubble has something else which is very telling about Aurora as a character. Where um, she's tripping over Danielle Belmond, and right. and she she makes like a really bitchy quip. Um, it says, um, "As it is, you'll be put away until your hair turns a more natural colour." So she's taking the Mickey out of her hair dye. <laughs> oh sure. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so was there anything about this issue that you weren't particularly keen on at all? Yes, uh, there was. Oh, okay. um, I would I would say it's a, a deadly Ernest's backstory, you know his 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 origin story. Um, yeah. So so he, so he was a uh, a World War World War One soldier, um, and they pick World War One, not World War Two, because they they need to make him very long lived uh, yes. to make make the story work. So and and they need to use this uh, mustard gas, which was which is used in World War One. So so he's a World War One soldier. Uh, he's the last last soldier left in in his unit. There's an explosion. He gets knocked down into an underground temple of some sort. Uh, there's some liquid on the ground uh, on the on the temple. There's the mustard gas, uh, which kind of mixes in with that. Um, he sees uh, the character of death. He rejects her, and then he gets his powers of of deadly touch. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I have a problem with the, with this this origin story, um, uh, and it's this is uh, I, I don't know what word to use. It's it, maybe. Incomplete, somewhere between incomplete and sloppy. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So, so it's so he falls into, into this underground temple, and there's there's this uh, one one panel, I guess, on the on the bottom of uh, bottom left of page nine, and 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 you can see there's some kind of like mysterious inscription on the bricks uh, in some kind of uh, yes. alien language. What what is that? Like an alien language or or some kind of 
prehistoric. I mean, this is France, you know, so it's yeah. a pre prehistoric uh, uh, inscriptions on these on these on those stones. And then there's that skull. Uh, what's, what's that? Like a like an ape like god. Aztec um, Aztec maybe. Has, Something like that, yeah. Aztec in in the middle of France, or is that yeah, alien? Yeah. We don't really know. So so, is he getting his powers from an alien culture, from an ancient artifact, from from uh, you know a, a religious cult that was underground in France? And then there's and then there's the classic you know fall into a vat of liquid. You know that's 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 a really you know that's a really great way to make make a uh, make a, a, a superhero get get their powers. You dump them into a vat of chemicals, and nobody knows. What the chemicals are, you know. Yeah. You know, you can say, uh, in no some ways, he's like he's like is. a ninja turtle in that he's fallen into some ooze and then he <laughs> right. is uh, combined mixed, with the next thing that touches mustard him. Gas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So, um, so the, maybe he, maybe he gets powers from the chemical combination of the ooze and the mustard gas. You know, with the, maybe the ooze is a healing ooze that's actually helpful, uh, yeah. uh, which makes him long lived, and then the mustard gas is death, and which gives him the Death. So he's, maybe he's a combination of life and death together. I don't know. But then it seems like what what really really gives him his his powers. You know, the the way that he really gets that powers is that he rejects death. So um, he gets his powers just because he really 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 doesn't want to die. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, there are a lot of us out there that really, really, really don't want to die. You know, so you know, <laughs> you know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's, I don't know, that that origin story just doesn't. It's it's difficult for me to for me to understand. I wish I wish he just he just he would have been more specific about what gave him the powers. You know, yeah. was it from the the what was it an alien artifact? Was it the liquid? Was it you know a a, a spiritual place where he got his his powers from a you know a some kind of supernatural method, um, and and just you know what kind of did did death make a deal with him? Uh, you know on on the spot in exchange for his you know his life, then you, you, he has some some end of the bargain that he has to deal with. Um, it just it just doesn't really say you know because he becomes immortal and gets the power of you know death touch. Now, yeah. How how exactly? I would just I would I wish I wish that was just a little a little better written. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you might be able to answer this because um, you're. Uh, you've got a bit of history of Marvel Comics, but is the instance of death that comes to visit him, is that the same one that is involved with Thanos? It, it, it looks like it. Um, it's uh, The character of death is a is a specifically female character um, yeah. that the male character of Thanos is in love with. Um, and what's what's being drawn there, um, you know, uh, uh, is is also a female. If you look in the in the in the caption where the death character appears, it says he saw death smiling her death said smile. So yeah. that's 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 a female death character, uh, which, which is there. So that that at least matches in gender. So I would I would I would have to say yes. So maybe yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I do like the way that that character is rendered though. Um, there's something about the skull which makes it feminine and slightly alien at the same time it's um yeah yeah it's a good it's a good skull yes someone who's I'll just, I'll, this time. so um one thing that i like uh if we can go back to things that i like about the comic yeah. <laughs> one thing yeah, that i like about it. it uh yeah so in the in the in the second story uh the the, the uh the uh origin of of shaman and and snowbird about, about how they how they came to join alpha flight um so heather heather Hudson has has a connection with with Dr. Michael Two Youngman, um, and uh, you know she she used to be the family babysitter. Yes. Um, 
and, and she and, and she she was a babysitter for his his daughter Elizabeth. Um, uh, in Alpha Flight issue number fourteen, uh, they they talk about this a little bit more. Um, uh, and in the in the uh, origin story uh, for Shaman, uh, we know that he tried to rescue his wife Catherine from cancer, um, yeah. being and uh, promised his daughter Elizabeth that he was going to be able to save her. Um, Catherine dies. Uh, Elizabeth gets very angry with him, uh, runs off, and then the, the McNeils, uh, Heather's. Heather's parents, they, they, they adopt her up the next 15 years. Um, and, uh, Heather becomes a babysitter. Uh, and so they, they, they know each other. They're connected. And in fact, when, when Shaman first, first meets up with, with, uh, um, Heather, you know, she says, Oh, you, you know, you, uh, you know, I didn't recognize you. You're, you're full grown. Uh, and, and then she says, Oh, I, you know, and I got married. My name's not Heather McNeil anymore. Now it's, now it's Heather Hudson. Um, and one thing that that I really like is that this establishes, you know, these these four characters as being like like a, like a like a family, you know. This, and yes. this is something that we saw in, in Fantastic Four, um, where the characters were all connected to each other. It, it wasn't just four characters that, in in real life, were kind of dumped together, you know. Uh, you know, four. You know, uh, uh, there are some superhero groups where they're they're assembled, you know, like. Like the Avengers, for instance, you know, Thor is not related to, to Hulk, not related to Wasp, but not related to, you know, you know, there's there's no connection between them. You know, Iron Man is, is you know, they're, they're just a bunch of characters dumped together. Um, but but with with Alpha Flight and just like with with Fantastic Four, they're a family. And so it's, you know, James married married to Heather and Heather was was, you know, Heather's parents are the adopted parents of Michael's Michael's daughter, Elizabeth. And and in a way, Snowbird, uh, uh, Naria is is sort of Michael's you know, goddaughter, I guess. I don't know. She's a, yeah. She's a father it's, figure to her. Yeah. And also, yeah, um, but, you know, I think Northstar, Northstar treats James Hudson as a kind of father figure as well. Um which is why he feels so betrayed and angry when Heather takes over, I think. Um, and he he blames Heather. Oh, he he bl- he's very angry when James dies. Everyone else is sad, but Northstar's angry. Uh, yeah, and then uh, Northstar and Aurora, brother and sister, and then and then uh, Aurora starts uh, uh, starts getting close romantically with Sasquatch, and so they're they're all connected in a in a in a family, and and yeah. uh, and this is this is. This is something that that when Stan Lee did this back in 1961, when he created the Fantastic Four, you know, it worked. <laughs> and yeah. and the reason why why we liked Fantastic Four so much was was because when they had their, you know, when they weren't in superhero mode and and flying around in their in their superhero costumes, when they were just regular people, you know, we still related to them. And and I think that that holds true in Alpha Flight as well. And so I liked. I like the story because it, it it continued that 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 family dynamic, you know, in that in this in this little two-parter, you know, this uh, in the in the origin story. Yeah. Perfect. Right. I think uh, we're coming up to an hour now, which is about long enough. I think. Is there anything else that you want to talk to you about? This has been really interesting. Oh yeah, there's 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 a, a couple of other funny things that happened. So 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 um in a in a in the scene where where uh, North Star walks in on on uh, on um, on Aurora. That goes back to the cover page, you know, showing the the betrayal. Okay, um, yeah. he as soon as as soon as he walks into the room, he gets knocked out from behind. He's just smacked yes. in the back of the head. He gets he gets knocked out. Okay, then uh, during uh, during the battle scene of, of, uh, with uh, with uh, 
nemesis and, and Deadly Ernest, he pulls off her mask and then he hits her again and he gets knocked out again. <laughs> so he, he, he gets out. So he gets knocked out twice in the same issue. Okay. Yeah. And, but, you know, Northstar, his, his power set, you know, he is the fastest superhero that there is. Okay. He can, he, he can fly, you know, 99.9% of the speed of light. Okay. Right. He is the fastest. He's faster than Quicksilver. He's faster than anybody, you know, except for those who, who can teleport or, or travel at the speed of light. But yeah. he is the, he, he is the fastest of, of all the speedsters. And yet, as fast as he is, he just gets knocked out. Boom, boom. Yeah. And there's, I don't, there's, uh, I think it was in the Big Bang Theory that is, is popularized, but, um, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, the film would have, uh, the, the plot of the film would have carried through regardless of Indiana Jones being in it. Um, so he, there's nothing that he does in that film which has any effect on the outcome of the film. And North Star is a little bit like this. So he's the yeah. focus of this comic, but he doesn't do anything in it which has an effect on the outcome, apart from yeah. he gets knocked out a couple of times. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, and there was, uh, anything else? Not, you said there was two that... things. Okay, that's, that's that's great. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been sure. absolutely brilliant. Um, I've really enjoyed having you on. Um, if uh, people wanted to find you on the internet, or if you wanted them to find you on the internet, where could they do that? I would I would point people towards alphaflight.net. That's that. That's the same website that uh, uh, Phil Thomas works on. He was one of one of your hosts back in I think the sixth yeah. podcast that you did. Um, so please please come and join us. There's plenty of Alpha Flight for us to talk about there. Okay, perfect. Um, if people would like to find me on the internet, I am as ever Gareth A. Hopkins, G R T H I N K spells Gerthink, which is me on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Um, it's also me at Big Cartel, so go think.bigcartel.com where you can buy prints and books and stuff. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, Podline, please give us a five star review on uh, iTunes and anywhere else on iTunes. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode.